Bismillah rahman rahim welcome to the Mo Show. I believe we are at episode 13. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a crazy day um, uh, here at the uh, at the golf course at uh, the Royal Greens at the King Abdullah Economic City in Saudi Arabia. Uh, just double checking that we are actually episode 13 indeed. Um, I have uh, I have a Saudi marathon runner here today as my uh, guest this evening. Um, he does part-time adventure excursions in various areas across the Middle East and uh, and Africa. Actually, climbed Kilimanjaro. He'll get to that himself. Um, please welcome Faisal Adosari. Welcome, Faisal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I always have to ask this question just because the uh, the industry or this advertising medium is very new to the region. Is this your first podcast, Faisal? Um. You know, this is my first official really high-tech podcast, yes. Okay. Uh, like the cameras, like, <laughs> when the mic is just next to you, that's it. Uh, it gets a bit intimidating. Uh, yeah, so, no, yeah. But it doesn't bite. It's, it's uh, actually it's friendly. It's actually, yes. I feel like, you know, this is the first official. I feel like you're on the radio. The Mojo is the first <laughs> official podcast I'm in. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. How have you been, man? How's your year unfolded uh, amongst all the chaos that we've seen? Well, uh, honestly speaking, I had the most spectacular year ever. Amazing. Uh, I'm one of those people that actually had to still go to work, even though because I'm um, actually working for Saudi Aramco as a chemical engineer. So at the refinery, we never stopped pumping, you know. And because you never stop pumping, you still need employees there. So actually, you know, I just didn't go to work for a month, which is March. And then starting April, I just did my you know, normal duties. Yeah. So I, I was kind of part of the outside world. And also the best thing is that there's this thing that kind of disappeared in our lives. It's called the fear of missing out. Yeah. And the thing is, once it disappeared from a lot of people's lives, it disappeared from my life as well. So, so true. <laughs> so basically, you know, I had a lot of good times, you know, spending it uh, at home. Uh, we just moved to a new house. And thank you. And in Bil Khobar, So basically, it's in uh, next to the beach. Okay, very nice. And the best thing about it is that basically, when we moved, we were actually still doing some, you know, refurnishing and you know, termim, termim, sorry. what happened here is that all these workers had to leave, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually, you know, had to work with my brother, my father, and actually complete some uh, duties at home. Being an engineer. Yeah. Uh, so that was what, fun. What were some of the things that you were doing as an engineer around the house? Well, you know, we had this kitchen that had a whole ceiling required. Okay. So, yeah, we had to do the whole ceiling from the beginning. Um, so it was just, you know, just uh, taking the measures, making it uh, out of aluminum. You know, it was complete engineering. So had a good time. It was two weeks of just work with my brother and uh, my uh, father. And we enjoyed it. That's pretty cool that it's all done in house. You guys didn't have to get a team of, uh, you know, uh, c- c- contractors to do the work. Uh, it was COVID. Ah, oh, so none of them could come do the work for you. So it's yeah, COVID, COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, um, the best thing that happened is that even with COVID, it proved to me that I'm an engineer. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah, of course. It's not just I need to think. No, I can actually work. Yeah. So, um, some of us actually, you know, had that. Life where basically we thought we're engineers, so we don't have to have a hand dirty. But, you know, getting your hand dirty actually makes you really, really enjoy the job yeah. of being an engineer. So what's uh, what's your day job? Like, are you behind the desk uh, under some very comfortable AC or, you know, and you're on an oil rig? 
Well, um, you want now or? Uh, when did you start at Aramco? Uh, four years ago. Okay, so first year, how, how was that? First year I was in the desk mm. for six months and then I was in the R&D, which is research and development for a year. And then back to the desk. And then for the past two years and a half, I was in the refinery, so not a desk. Which one do you prefer? Not the desk. Not the desk. <laughs> being on your feet. Yes. Yeah. Well, since you're a runner, yeah. I mean, I would imagine that you do prefer being on your feet. Do, on your feet. Do you uh, do you get an opportunity to run while uh, in Chirgia? How many kilometers are you clocking a day? Um, during winter, I clock to 13 to 14 kilometers a day. Okay. Uh, summer, you can't actually push yourself. Then uh, if you push yourself, you just lose a lot of minerals. Okay. So it was uh, up to five to seven kilometers a day. Um, so summer is all about maintaining people. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to maintain that run. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the the negative side of living in the Middle East. Uh, if you're anywhere in the world, you can just sustain. You know, you build up that run, and then you keep going, building and building and building. But for us, we have a limited time. So it's September all the way to April, mm-hmm. and that's the time when everybody's out and the weather's nice, yeah. and I want to run and all that type of thing. But during summer, people tend to hide and run on treadmills. I don't like to run on a treadmill. I mean, would you run outside uh, in, in, in the middle of July? 6 a.m. What what time would you go? I would actually run uh, after work. So it's 5.30. Okay. 5.30, 6. Is it tolerable? Because in, in Shergia, it gets uh, it gets as hot as Dubai. I lived there for five years. I mean, you guys see 50 plus. We don't see it here in Jeddah. Well, I should, we get to 50 plus, but it's not the heat that kills you. It's the humidity. The humidity. You guys so, get humidity? Yes, like, yes. Like totally, totally. Okay. And uh, because the humidity kind of, you know, makes you, makes you run uncomfortable. But, you know, I also believe that human beings are the most adaptable creatures in this world. They are. And if you can adapt to the humidity. Yeah. You can run through it like yeah. a piece of I cake. I can imagine. I can imagine. And Speaking of a piece of cake, um, I've got a couple of people watching you on Instagram live, and, and I think they're wondering if you're going to eat that uh, Nutella cake that's sitting right in front of you. Well, I'm I'm contradicting myself. Am I going to go for the Nutella or that box of chocolate there? Because that that looks good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, you know, is that what's inside if there? If you guys are wondering what it is, it's uh, the chocolate and love. It's uh, organic chocolate. There's four flavors in here. It's incredible. Uh, which we're going to get to for sure. Uh, but right now, the the, the question, uh, the mattering question is, are you going to have that Nutella? What is it? What is it called? It's like a Nutella with an Arabic twist. Um, it's phenomenal. I had one 10 minutes ago and now the world wants to know, are you going to eat it or not? It's so good, by the way. I'll tell you something about myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I do is run. Okay. And a lot of people ask me, why do you run? Uh, I'm not a guy that's so fit here. I run to eat. You run to eat. So, so you burn so that you can afford to eat what you will then burn. Yes. So basically every day I actually do a lot of running mm-hmm. just to have that. Who is he going to go for it? <laughs> Please have a bite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Mm. Mm. Okay, without the noises, let me put your microphone off. <laughs> Oh, this is so good. How, how good is that? That is so good. I'm okay. Uh, so to the uh, 17 viewers watching, um, mm. any questions for Mr. Faisal at Dosari? Here you, ha- here you have it, Saudi marathon runner eating a Nutella spring roll. I think is the best way I can describe it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, please. Thank you.
Wow. I never thought in, in my life that on an episode of, of, the, of the Mo Show would I see someone eating the Nutella spring roll that you live to see and uh, breathe another day. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's quite finished, we can get into the next topic. Uh, you said, okay, so you eat to, to run um, and, and you've done a fair share of, of marathons. You said you've done four or five marathons so far, mm-hmm. 42 kilometers each. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at any point, I'm going. I'm, this is pleasurable. I, I told you. I told you. Mm-hmm. Are, are you um, like, if you have a marathon coming up, uh, how soon before that are you are you preparing? Uh, you know, t- training and all for, for for that marathon. Okay, Mohammed. So basically, when it's a marathon, you need at least six months of training. Six months. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because basically you need to condition your whole body into actually running that marathon. Okay. It's not like you can jump into it, you know? Yeah. A lot of people do that. They get injured. Mm-hmm. That's why basically you need, I, I, I take it, I, what I do is I do a six-month PB, I call it. Mm-hmm. Every year from September, I start running again. Okay. PB, personal best? Yes. Okay. So basically. Do you like how I knew that? Mm, <laughs> is it written somewhere? Uh, no, this is straight from the mind. Okay. <laughs> so basically, uh, start September and then basically uh, I would actually try to hit my PB around March, April. That would give me the perfect condition to actually run. I would so I would do a, a ten kilometer run, and I would do basically um, a 15, 21, and then thirty five, forty two, and also in between you need to do a lot of racing. Okay. Because racing helps you develop yourself faster. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think I don't race. I don't like to compete against people. Yeah, it's not about the competition, guys. It's just about you com- competing against yourself. Okay. So. I had a coach one time and he told me, Faisal, do you know that one race can actually spare you the the uh, tiredness of running five times? Okay. Uh, or, or two weeks of running uh, or training. Mm-hmm. So basically, once you do that race, your body would go wow, through. Yeah. Yeah. Muscle memory and yes, all that. Yes, exactly. Okay. So you're training six months before. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's a lot. That's a long time. It's beautiful. What yeah. are you talking about? I, I just thought that it, it, I didn't think it, it's I didn't think it's six months. I thought it's two two or three months of intensive. Uh, but I mean, it, it is forty two kilometers. Oh, uh, it's it's possible. You can do it. Yeah. But the thing is, you're not gonna really be your best. Okay. So I uh, I know people that have a two months program of of doing a forty two kilometers. Nike has it. Yeah. You know, you can just go to Nike and they, they have a schedule of two months of you training for a marathon. Yes, it will prepare you, but you wouldn't be able to come out of it without no injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, these things take time, of course. Yeah. Injury is another element of it. You know, you don't want to rush body into your don't, training. You yeah. don't want to push yeah. your body. I, I uh, had my first injury ever, alhamdulillah. Yani, I'll knock on wood, but um, at last year i tore my meniscus when i was uh, it was actually quite a silly one like i was at a shop with my son and uh he wanted something from a lower shelf and i got into a squat position because he wanted something on, on a lower shelf and i shifted my weight in a squat position and i heard a sound that will forever stay with me yeah yeah like that like <laughs> pop crack and all that but i was like oh my god was that my knee <laughs> And um, and and uh, I was like, okay, I have no idea if it is, but let me slowly stand up, and that will tell me everything I need to know. Ubinjit, like as I got to ninety degrees, I was like, yeah, that was me, that, that was, was me. me. And at full stretch, I look at it, had <laughs> nafakh. You know? Yeah, it, it wasn't funny at the time. 
literally picked him up, limped to the edge of the road. We were in London, like dove into a taxi, lied down five minutes to the house. And the thing was like three times the size of my right knee. Wow, wow, wow. People told me, don't do surgery. Um, cousin of mine, Mishal, uh, he is Yani Miskin. He's had all the knee surgeries that you know some anyone can put up with. He's had a few and ankles and all that. He said you want to leave it for uh, like a, a a last option. You know, it's the last thing you do. True, true. Uh, when you have no more cards to play, you know that's your card. That's so true. It's been a year and a half of of rehab, uh, and I'm at maybe seventy five percent. Now comes the big question: <clears throat> well, What are you going to do now about it? What are you going to do about it now? Yeah. You know, like, uh, are you going to go back to training? It's getting better. Okay. So, so long as it's getting better, I'm going to leave it. You know what's funny? I can do three, four K. You know, I'm not, I'm not a runner like you. I can do three or four K on the treadmill. No problem. Played tennis a month ago with a bit of lateral movement. It, it made me a week I was out of doing anything. That lateral movement was detrimental for its, uh, okay. for its healing. Okay. It's crazy. That's on the on, on the treadmill. I went three, four, five, five clicks. No problem. No problem. Huh? But the lateral movement, I realized it didn't like it. And I think it's up to us to know and listen to our bodies and see what it is that it likes and it doesn't like. So the lateral didn't like. So I just paused tennis for now, and maybe I can get into it in a little bit. But I'm going to try to avoid the surgery uh, because um, a I don't want the keyhole surgery going to my knee, and and b if there's a way that I can avoid it, I will. I think I agree with you, you know, when it comes to surgery, it's the last resort for anybody to actually go through. Um, physical therapy is good. Uh, trying to basically push through it, sometimes it's good. Yep. But to actually go there and open it up and just cut things up, it's not a good idea no, at all. No, 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 no. You know, our bodies are meant to heal itself by itself. Yeah. So don't push yourself into actually going through a surgery thinking it's a shortcut. It's not a shortcut. It will come back later on to you. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll remember those words next time I think about God forbid doing, yeah. Well, yeah, next time I think about wanting to do the surgery because I don't have any more patience. I'm like, that's it. I just want to feel good. But, you know, that might not be the case. Yeah. Um, there's a whole adventure side to you. Uh, you told me about uh, the adventures in, in the mountains of Oman. You told me about Kilimanjaro. What prompted that? And when did you start doing all of that? So everything started just after I came back from Japan. Um, I used to study there. And uh, after I came back from Japan, I actually lived outside of the kingdom since uh, 2006. Okay. So I came back around 2015. And once I came back, I actually was searching for something, you know, something that I didn't know if it exists or not. And uh, one of those things that actually I felt so uh, close to was the outdoors. I love the outdoors. And one of my friends actually came one day while after a run and she was like, why don't you come to Jabal Shams? At that moment, I was like, what is Jebel Shems? Oman, yeah? Yeah. And I was like, what is Jebel Shems? And then she's like, it's a trip. It's a community. We just go and do these adventures. And I was like, okay, let me go and try it out. So I go there. And basically, I actually ended up, you know, signing up for that company, working as a part-time guide for that company. And it just opened a huge door for me because I went, I went, and I went to the first summit, which is Jebel Shems Summit. I got there, it was hell getting up there. Mm. And as I was walking up there, I was like, why is my body not strong enough? You know, and it's because of my lifestyle, uh, the way I used to live, the things I used to do. I wasn't a runner at that time. I yeah. just started to actually go into running. And the thing is- um, One uh, too many Elbeck sessions? 
<laughs> well, I, is that in the East Coast yet? Did you tawa, guys get tawa, it? Tawa, tawa. Yeah, okay. just arrived. All the best. You know, every day, every day you go see there, you see this huge line there, you know, so you kind of cancel not eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our famous fried chicken here in Saudi Arabia puts KFC to shame. <laughs> Continue. So basically, yes, um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was a quick one. That was a brilliant one. <laughs> so that, um, so going up the mountain, you know, I came back and I was like, you know what, I need to change. I need to push myself. And I started going there once every single month. Okay. I would take one day out, one, 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 one day of leave, mm-hmm. and then I would go up to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Soon after that, they asked me to volunteer as a guide. Soon after that, they asked me to guide. And it just worked out. Amazing. And, Fantastic. I'm still a part of that community. It's the HOSAC community in the Middle East now. We just opened uh, a big branch in uh, basically Al-Ula. So operation is going to happen from there in Saudi Arabia and in Masqat, UAE and Kuwait, of course. Awesome. Are you going to make it out to Al-Ula at some point? Yes. That was a nice advertisement for Husak people. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Kilimanjaro, um, I've heard mixed reviews on it. I spoke to someone that said it was uh, quite easy, strolled in the park, and someone else said it was uh, very difficult and treacherous. Uh, how did you interpret sure. the experience? Uh, I went to Kilimanjaro uh, with a group of five people. Mm-hmm. I never, I will never forget those people. Uh, one's uh, basically Ahmed Al-Rabh, Saud Al-Dosri, Hussein uh, Fouad, and uh, Aladin Amudi. They are my best friends. You want to know why? Because once we actually reached that mountain and walked together, we were a family. We, the thing is, it's not the mountain that's difficult. It's the company. You need to actually really work with those people to actually make it to the summit. You need to push these people. They'll because push you back. And, yes, yeah. exactly. And the thing is, yes, it's hard. And especially if you don't take Diamox, people take Diamox before you go to Kilimanjaro. What's that? Diamox is the pill you take uh, to help you with the acclimatization. Acclimatization. We decided all of us not to take it. And you can't take it while you're actually on the mountain. So you end up taking a lot of painkillers. Okay. So the thing is, we challenged ourselves not to take it. Yes, it was hard. The nausea, not being able to eat, um, getting tired really quickly, uh, waking up early in the morning when it's really cold. But it was worth it. And the reason why is because when I actually reached that summit, I saw a lot of people at that post, you know, wanting to take a picture. And Highest I, point in Africa. Yeah. And the thing is, when I saw that, I just didn't want to take a picture there. Okay. I took a, I took a picture somewhere else. Okay. Like I, I saw the post, people lining up for it. And I just went to the other side and I was like, you take a picture for me here. And then I just took a picture and... Uh, you I know, like that. that's different. Yeah, and when 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 we were going down, I was fully not conscious mm. because once you go up, you're kind of yeah. conscious. You don't remember you blacked out. I was just running down the mountain. Wow. What do you gotta do? Run down, run down, run down. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. You'd see a crazy guy just running down the mountain just to reach the camp that we were staying mm-hmm. at. Um, but you know, after I made it, it it actually made me feel like nothing is impossible. Uh, no mountain can take you down. Yeah. And it kind of opened another world of adventure. Thank you, COVID, for not making me some of the other mountains this year. But, you know. <laughs> Were you planning to? <laughs> yes, I was planning with my friends to go to Elbrus, the yeah. second. Russia. Um, and every year would do a mountain. That was the decision that we made. 
But, you know, I guess um, maybe next year. Yeah, inshallah. Inshallah. Inshallah 21 will be different to this year. Yeah, I bet you climbed. Did you climb any mountains? I haven't before? climbed anything. Climbed the, the, the mountain to uh, marriage. <laughs> I was going to say, Hadabat <laughs> Najd. Uh, I, I have not. Um, Kilimanjaro is interesting. It's intriguing. I'd like to say that I'd like to do it one day, but you need to. getting out there and just planning all that logistically, will I? I don't know. Do I want to? Yes. Maybe I reach out to you, you know. Um, I'll help you out. I honestly, have, yeah. yeah. I'll go with you if you want. Wallahi, that, my, that's where my mind was going. Like, Please come with me. Let's yeah, do it. <laughs> I mean, since you're a guide and you know, you're know you an adventurer and a mountaineer. You'll feel safer more? I'd, ri- I'd like to do it with someone who I already know. You know, I don't want to meet someone new there. There's too many moving parts. Let's talk about that more yeah, no uh, at problem. the end of this podcast. Plus, we'll take a fun with us. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can tee off yeah, from the we- top. Um, what was it like living in Japan? You said you lived there for seven years. Yeah. So uh, before going to Japan, I was living in Malaysia. My dad had a... Kuala? Uh, Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. yeah. So my dad had a really uh, life, uh, out, international life. Okay. So we lived outside a lot. What, but, did, what did he... Was he also part of the Aramco family? Yes. Okay. That's why I'm a brat. <laughs> can't believe I said that. I can't believe yeah, no, uh, We're not going to edit that out. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tesla. So <laughs> Kuala. Uh, yeah, so Kuala Lumpur <clears throat> for two years. And then after that, my friends from uh, CBC program, which is the basically college continuation program that the company Aramco has, they came to Malaysia and they were like, Faisal, come to Japan, come to Japan. I wasn't planning to go to Japan. I was going to Houston, Texas, or, you know, Monash University in Australia, which is basically more relatively close to mm-hmm. our culture. Uh, meaning, you know, we usually go there to study. It's yeah. easier yeah. because it's English, you Come know. On. And then two weeks after that, I'm in Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, and when I arrived there, it was spontaneous. But I spent seven years there. And I don't regret a second. Wow. Because basically, I got to know a beautiful culture. I learned their secrets. I learned how to speak their language. And basically, it taught me a lot about my personality it changed the way I see things, the way I think, mm-hmm. and oh, uh, 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 the way I think. And the best thing about it is, is that sometimes it's better for you to see the world from a different point of view. Uh, Japan's culture is amazing. Uh, they have a lot of things. They love to be honest. That's why I'm always honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't have any hidden agendas. Um, They're straight, straight up. Straight up. Uh, so if Anybody would ask me, would you send your daughter one day to study there? I'd be like, yeah, it's safe there. You know, nobody's going to harm you because, you know, you're a foreigner there. So they would actually want you to be there, spend more money. But, you know, the thing is, it's safe Mm. unless you want to, you know, trouble in their, you know, uh, darkest, you know, places. Then you would have to be careful because the Yakuza are not to mess with. Uh, Did I say Yakuza? You did. Okay. It's okay, man. It's the most show. <laughs> Don't put this on me. Um, you said you learned a lot from them. Uh, I, I can imagine. I, I adore that culture. I think uh, uh, they lead uh, by example. Um, I think if more countries were like Japan, the world would be a better place. Mm. There's so much we can learn from them. I feel like they, they're they healthy. I love the way they they eat with chopsticks. You know, you eat less, you eat slower. I love how they don't touch each other. They just bow. They've been doing that for hundreds of years. 
I, I don't know. They just get it. You know, they're respectful. They're hardworking, maybe too hardworking. Mm-hmm. So clean. It's always like you uh, pictures I see. I went to Tokyo a long time ago. But it's, yeah, right? It's Very super clean. clean. Because basically, you know, something I notice about us here in the Middle East. And listen, this is not an episode to compare between two countries. No, no, no. no. You know, like I love my culture mm-hmm. and we have something that they don't which is basically we are bonded by a lot of people yeah. around us yeah so Community. there's no no suicide rate here yeah not big one you know they're they're big there's the figures of suicide there are high yes and the reason why is because basically they're not attached to anything okay. you know and sometimes when they get attached to something and it leaves them they feel like they they're not worth living wow. so the thing is when it comes to us we are attached to everything yeah if we don't have a family, we have a religion. If yeah. we don't have a religion, we have a purpose. So basically, our culture is very strong. Yeah. Uh, so that's why, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the thing I loved about them is that, you know, they're committed about how and when to do their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't complain a lot to a lot of people. They keep themselves. Yeah. They keep it to themselves. Yeah. And the thing is that when they tell you they can do it, they can do it. They, can do it. they don't say, well, uh, we can do it. And then suddenly they discover they can't yeah, do it. Yeah. So it's them saying either they can or they cannot. Yeah. They're uh, efficient. I yeah. heard a story that when, when uh, the earthquake hit, I think it was 2011, the big one. Yeah, I was there. You, you were there? Yeah, you were there? I was sitting there. Was it 10 points? It was a bit, nine, oh, nine. 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 Nine point one. Yeah. Um, wait, you were there when it happened? Uh, no, I was on a holiday. You weren't in Japan. My house was there. <laughs> that makes me there, right? <laughs> it didn't come with you on holiday. Um, uh, so I heard a story that when when the earthquake hit, and uh, you know, obviously it it, it uh, rumbled and trembled for for a couple of uh, seconds, whatever, 40, 50 seconds, and then when it stopped, all right, instead of chaos and looting and people stealing. People falling in line, People knowing where to go. Putting stuff back on the shelves yes. to exit the building because it's not safe. And, you yes. know, let's exit until further notice, until we're told more instructions. People put stacked stuff back on the shelves. And, uh, yeah, and maybe maybe not so calm, but, like, they left without looting or stealing or pocketing. I'm sorry, but the other 99% of the world countries, we'll take I don't advantage. know if they would have put stuff back on shelves, you yes. know. And uh, I say that uh, quite confidently. The the world can can learn a lot from Japan. I've been I, wanting to go there for a while. I haven't been in twenty years. So that's another trip we can go together after. Let's do that before Kilimanjaro. Before or after. Before before. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> I want to do the fun thing first. <laughs> well, Japan is fun. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of karaoke. No, no, no. Yeah, I heard. Um, man, what a place. Yeah. Uh, this is compared to Hong, you lived in Hong Kong as well. You said yeah. Yeah, I lived in Hong Kong. My family lived there, so basically, I was kind of in transit between yeah. Japan and Hong Kong. That's more British, you know, influenced, colonized. Yes. It's not like as uh, as thoroughbred or you don't feel the, the far eastness in Hong Kong as you would in Japan. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So they're kind of strong, even in their opinions. You know, they, they, they're they strong opinion people. Um, I liked Hong Kong because it's not as clean as Japan, but you know the people there are outgoing, kind of you know cosmopolitan. You have yeah. a bit of yeah, you know finance, yeah. money. Um, coming back to the region here, into you left. You said in two thousand and six, and you came back in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, uh, when you left in two thousand and six, came back two thousand sixteen. I think sixteen. Yeah, there's a gap. So there. there's about ten years. No, there's a gap. Gap year. Yeah, amazing. Oh, you did. 
Did you go with Atman? No. I actually What was did in, you do for your gap year? I was still in Japan. Ah, I you graduated in 2015 and then I had a gap year of doing a master course with Waseda University and also working as uh, at Aramco Japan office no for internship. Way. While I was doing that, that was the first time, first glimpse of me getting into the adventure world. I had a Kawasaki Ninja motorcycle. That's crazy. And I'd had my tent. 1,000? No, no. I got a 400. Pretty easy. Okay. So all you need in life. Yeah, but it's actually one of the top 100. It's uh, like there's only 100 pieces of it okay. because it's a special made oh, in Japan. Collectors. Edition. Yeah. Still have it? Yeah. Brought it with me. No way. Still can't use it because it's a collector. Okay, good. Leave it in the living room <laughs> next to the grand piano. <laughs> I leave it outside. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, I actually had that gap year where I went around Japan driving my motorcycle, camping anywhere, um, going to Unsins and taking a shower there. And, you know, with two of my Russian friends. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful traveling, you know. Yeah, was, nothing like that. Huh? Yeah. Seeing the world, being exposed to new cultures, getting to learn new things, trying new food. Eating a lot of ice cream. Eating a lot of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I went to this uh, Hokkaido, it's the northest part of Japan. And in the summer, when you go there, they have ice cream in every stop. Mm -hmm. And every stop has a different flavor depending on the surrounding uh, environment. So okay. some people would grow strawberries here. So you find ice cream with strawberry. Hina tut, hina bortakal, hina midrushu. And you just stop there, eat the ice cream, yeah. then go to the next one. Stop there, <laughs> eat ice cream. With, with with trying to do some running in between, I would uh, imagine. Uh, no, it was only a motorcycle. No running. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess, you know, that's something about Japan that taught me something is that, you know, they really try to uh, help the local market mm -hmm. with whatever they can. Um, they don't try to export from some somewhere else. No, it's local market before the export. Yeah. So if they have it here, they won't export it from outside. Okay. That's how you grow their cities. Awesome. Uh, that's why it's on the street, you know. Yeah, so. When you left here in 2006, health and fitness wasn't so big to, you know, the populace of Saudi Arabia and perhaps the region. Now you look around, and I don't know about Shergiya, but I would imagine it's like here. There's a fitness time in every corner. There's a gold gym in every corner. There is the startup gym, you know, in every other neighborhood. Did you notice, I mean, the last 10 years, how much that space just took off? It's crazy. You're talking four years, not, not even 10. Four years. Yes. That's four years. That's like when I was in Japan in 2016, when I started running, I remember I was running in Tokyo. And the thing that made me love running is I was running around Tokyo seeing different parts of Tokyo, doing a 5K every Sunday in a different area. The graffiti, the architecture, all that type of thing, I enjoyed seeing, mm -hmm. taking pictures, you know. When I came back to Saudi, I wanted to do the same thing in the mom. Yeah, that's not the same, man. <laughs> you know, running through the mom sug, you yeah. know, and basically trying not to get hit by a car. Yeah, yeah. That's something, you know. <laughs> Going to Sugan Barkia for Kuwait and running around Sugan Barkia, mm -hmm. having an old guy, I was like, I want to see the city. You know, the world is so big, I need to run through it so yeah, I can yeah, actually yeah, see it. That was yeah. the... Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, we were not so big into actually seeing people running in the street. Mm -hmm. uh, I even have a friend, a friend that actually started running in the street and he wanted to do the barefoot thing. The cops actually got him, oh my God. put him in, put him in cuffs, and told him that basically, <laughs> you know, you're running barefoot, yeah. and uh, you're probably running from something that you've done. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The person that used to run on the street is someone who did something naughty. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> and the thing is, what I loved about it is that you know, when I see where we 
world and I see where we are right now, mm. I open my home, my house door mm. and just go and look at the beach and I see cyclists, I mm. see runners, I see females running all over and it makes me so yeah, happy as an, as an athlete, you know, it makes me happy because I am so happy that this country is shifting a little bit and not worrying about going to the doctor, but, you know, really doing that thing that actually prevents a lot of people from going to that doctor. Yeah. We spent a lot of money on the medical. My God, yes. Uh, you know, we thought pills are the solutions. Pills are never the solutions. Mm. That's just an excuse yeah. to actually, you know. <laughs> Plaster. Yeah. Yes. But the thing is, you know, once you see people walking, running, you see a lot of people investing more money into, you know, programs that make people make more steps. You, mm-hmm. I've worked to this uh, program called Move to Game during the COVID. We reached around 150,000 subscribers just getting people to walk. Wow. One of them was my father. Amazing. He could have not walked to, to, to 2,000 steps because he, he just likes to sit down. But the thing is, now not even 10,000 steps can stop him. And my dad is not young. But the thing is, it moved him. And that's what we need. Love we it. need more of these things to actually make people move so we don't have to worry about going yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. I love you, doctors. I really do. <laughs> but the thing is, you know and we know that the best solution to actually get a better healthy uh, community is to have more of these programs yeah being active yes yeah something you you just said there that uh, reminded me of something you said that you know a lot of us go to the doctors and we spend a lot of time at the doctors and money at the doctors um when i'm when i was in london uh last year um i was doing physio for my knee and it was on harley street um 80% of the people on Harley Street, which is the famous street in London for doctors, were of Arab um, demographics. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, as a, a culture, Arabs, we spend a lot on, uh, on medical. And, um, and that bothers me, you know? Like, I didn't see as many Brits on that street. You know, one street over on Oxford Street, you see, you see everyone. Mm. But on Harley Street, which is the, the, the street known for, for medicine and doctors, uh, the majority of the people on that street are Arabs. Sukkar, marada sukkar, you know, uh, cholesterol, and, um, you know, the diabetes is an issue here. It's, yeah. it's just, it bothers me. And, um, and, you know, maybe one of the reasons is because the weather in our country doesn't help, but, but, but that's a bad excuse. We don't go out as much. Vitamin D is a problem, you know. Um, the uh, the English spend a lot more time on their feet outdoors. You yes. know, everyone walks. We don't have that lifestyle. Like when you know, if I you know when I go to the UK from time to time, um, after the first day, because I love walking. After the first day, I'm like, oh god, that was like a hell of a day of walking. That's because I've been in Saudi for you know eight months. Minal 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 house. You know, yeah, minal bed, siyara siyara, al-maktab, al-maktab. And we don't do any walking. Like, I think I clocked 1,000 steps on an average day here. That's a joke. Yeah. In London, I clock, I push for 20,000 a day. Wow. Yeah, no, I really push for it. Like, on a, at Hadda Nafsi. And it actually happens. Yeah, yeah. It's one step at a time. For sure. <laughs> for, for sure. Um, and I just encourage people to, uh, to, you know, use the car less, even in the cooler months when we can, when, you know, when it's not too hot to walk. And put a target, you know, 5,000 steps a day. You know, pacer on the iPhone. Just follow that that's what we used and it worked worked. i think ten thousand is the is the daily target for every person it is 10 i think you know we i'm just i'm referencing this program is because we target to actually have 
كمبيوتر هيدز بيبل ذات انجوي كمبيوتر بيكوز كانت هي من الاس اف اي اند سيفست ويتش از بيسكلي تو اتحادات مختلفه اللي هي اتحاد الرياضه الجميع واتحاد اللي هو الرياضات الذهنيه الالكترونيه they had an issue with covid people didn't move in their houses mm. because they're covid yeah. so they wanted to find a way where we get more steps more active yeah. so they have I love that initiative yeah and the thing is what we did is we actually target to have only 5000 steps a day okay and then people just that's the minimum minimum yeah. you get 5000 you clock it during the week you get a prize okay and it's financial prize all right that's how you move so them so it's linked on an app and then everyone yes, contributes yes, yes. like a you can actually sign up community right now. online yeah. yeah okay and the thing is what we did is basically it's amazing because it actually made people move from 5000 now people are actually making 20000 because they got used to the 5000 love it and you just challenge them yeah. more and more amazing. and more and more of um, i think you know having more of these things actually make people yeah, more active yeah, is nice yeah. yeah getting people involved and all that tracking i yeah. think we have a problem with tracking yeah. we don't track our progress as 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 adults no. oh. and the thing is everything you know if we have the right tracking system to anything our health our education our uh, professionalism then basically we would be a better community we will we would and we will and we and we really ought to uh take it seriously yeah that's um, true um You know, yeah. I mean, I, I bet you even the life expectancy in our region is lower than It's the more active uh, countries. 73. 73? Mm-hmm. Let's compare ourselves to the healthiest. I would imagine the Scandinavians. Uh, the Norwegian. I think the healthiest the is around 84. 84? So Look at that. nine years. Average. You know, not including those that, that go to like 95, 96. Yes. The, the Japanese go, they they, they age uh, they age well, mashallah. If they yeah. don't suicide themselves. If they- <laughs> But um, it's funny how it comes full circle, you know, back to Japan we go. Um, what's next for you, man? Like, what are your uh, Um So basically, um, there's one thing I want, I actually wanted to bring up that was important. Um, I'll get back to it. But yep. I, just to say next is I'm actually working with a group of talented people to start up this uh, bouldering and rock climbing gym in Shargiya. And the thing is, it's a challenge that we're actually putting for ourselves because it's a very high um, capex. But the thing is, we don't know if we have that market niche where people will come and rock climb. But, you know, sometimes if you do these things, you might create something that's much better, like a bigger adventure hub or something like that. So, yeah, rock climbing and bouldering Jib and Shargi coming soon this March, inshallah. That's so cool. And um, we are trying to push to have it as a family place. Mm-hmm. The thing is in Saudi, we have this kind of, one of the things that you you have to choose either it's a male or female. Well, you know, my sport is neither male or female. My sport is targeted for the young people and you can't have kids in, in, yeah. in, in those gyms, you know? So that kind of hurts us because I want my kid to actually try rock climbing when he was like five or six. I want my kid to actually, you know, challenge himself going up You know, a wall, you know, it makes a difference for him. One day and another, one step and another. I saw this video of a baby going up a wall and him hesitating on one step and then coming back and going up again. And then suddenly you see him going up and that one step led him to another 10. It's amazing. Challenging himself. Yes. And it's only a baby. So for me, this is important. And I hope that, you know, we have that. Um, you know that's nice t- t- I like that initiative yeah well, best of luck very good. And once you open it and it's uh, up and running mm-hmm. come out west because we do have a decent rock climbing uh, community here in Jeddah a lot of people go to Taif every other weekend yes um, uh, a good friend of mine Rayan Ghalayini he's uh, one of the Taif faithful 
He goes out every two or three weeks. Uh, he's really big into rock climbing. He owns a gym in Chittan. Whenever he gets the opportunity, he goes out there rock climbing. And he says it's his happy place. Amazing. He really, really enjoys mm. it when he's out there. Uh, I actually tried Tanuma. Tanoma. He's, uh, it's funny you say that because he he goes there every other month. Yeah, I got What's it? It's, is it is it a rock climbing haven? Is that why he amazing, goes? Amazing, man. Okay. Amazing place. Yeah. You know, you just go there, you find those camping grounds. Um, and basically you find uh, two routes for climbing. You find that community that you talked about. And it's just a beautiful place to go. Yeah. Tanoma's yeah. nice. Um, actually, speaking about the rock climbing community, I think uh, in two, around 27th and uh, 28th of this November? Uh, November, they're having a competition in Jeddah. Rock climbing? Yes, there's no a way. rock climbing. T- I'm, I'm commentating. Where? No way. Yes, yes. Top, can you tell my friend uh, Rayan whereabouts this is going to be and uh, um, if he can take part? Um, how about he text me and maybe... I, I will give him your number. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't know. I'm from Shergiya. Okay. Just <laughs> trying to get out of it. Yeah. But it is happening. <laughs> it's happening. 10 days uh, time. Okay. Yeah, so 27th, 28th, I think. I'll November. have him reach out. In Jeddah, huh? In Jeddah. It's a awesome. school, I think. That's what I heard. Okay. There's a school there that has a wall. They're doing a competition there. Fantastic. But yeah, that's Hello. something nice, you know. We're actually competing Definitely. on, on walls there. Definitely. But that's next, I guess. Um, probably, you know, work harder in Aramco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I'm still a chemical engineer. You know? Yeah, it's not. I'm still. I will always be a chemical engineer. <laughs> Just in case they're watching, uh, <laughs> I hope they are. <laughs> and I love my job. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, uh, so uh, marathons coming up. Uh, I know we had one in Jeddah earlier this year. Was it this year? Or the end of last year. Are you going to take part in any upcoming marathons in the region? Honestly, uh, recently I've actually stopped from doing marathons. I'm, I'm actually moving into ultra marathons, which is basically yeah, well uh, above uh, 42 kilometers. Okay. And it's more of the outdoor part of marathons. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think I'm doing one around January this year, yeah. uh, next year. Um, there's uh, also one this November as well happening in Hijaz. Mm-hmm. I might hit that one as well, you know. And the thing is, you know, for me, ultra marathon is me, nature, and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a person that's up for competing. I compete against myself. Self, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, that's breaking, a co- co- breaking your PBs, everything. That's the code of the day. Yeah. Compete against yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so, like that. So, yeah, I guess that's what's happening with the marathons. Uh, speaking about adventures, I told you, Al-Ula. Mm-hmm. Uh, we set up there, so I think uh, the guys are already up there, you know, trying to discover, you know, locations that haven't been discovered yeah, yet. Yeah. So cool. we'll see what we can that do That place there. is a gem, man. man. I, it's, I think it's my, uh, outside of the two holy mosques, I think it's my favorite region in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Al-Ula. I know, I know. Uh, I, I I can't wait to go there. I'm going there after, or maybe this week. So I, cool. I'm on a holiday. You are, <laughs> yeah. Live it up. Yeah. Do you have a son? Uh, no, not married. Not married? single when you do have a son inshallah or a daughter what advice are you going to give them if they want to get into the running slash adventure world there's no advice i'm just going to take them for a run and then have them fall in love with it i've seen it happen to a lot of kids nice. uh it's sometimes maybe this is the quality time that they can i look there a lot right no no uh, me, i want to <coughs> clear my throat <laughs> yeah so basically um uh, i think <laughs> uh, for me i think um i believe that you know you can actually choose to spend a quality time with your kids. Uh, I would rather have my active time as that quality time with them. Running gives me that opportunity. I've seen a lot of kids uh, in my in the Ramco compound uh, with their fathers the past four years. I call him the champion mm-hmm. because basically he's just 
mimics his dad every single time. Yeah. And now he's even faster than his dad. So the thing is wow. that I see him running, you know, and I think, you know, you can walk with your kid. Just use that hour, man. Yeah. I think um, I, the best piece of advice I can give anybody uh, is basically you have 24, 24 hours a day. Just take one hour of that 24 hours and give it to your body. Uh, you either can walk, run, jog, exercise, hike, your, yoga. Your body will thank you at 60. It will thank you today. Uh, it doesn't hurt. Well said. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is, that's my piece of advice. And I think if you would ask me what's the thing that inspires me is I believe that we inspire to be inspired. Mm-hmm. So the more we inspire people, yeah, the more we are inspired ourselves. Yeah, very well put. Thanks, Habibi, for your time, Faisal. Um, I really enjoyed your talk uh, and and listening to everything that you were involved in. Uh, I love the adventure part. <laughs> uh, the running part, maybe not so much. <laughs> but uh, I love how traveled you are. You you know you've been exposed to so many different cultures uh, and societies and countries around the world, and that's uh, yani it's it's showing from the way you carry yourself and you know the stories you're sharing. Um, Anything you want to close with? Any uh, Anything you want to say before we wrap up the day here? The- um, thank you, Mo, for having me. Yeah, you know, my um, pleasure. Sometimes I don't know why people put me in front of a mic. <laughs> well, I know. You speak well. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, really, I'm so happy that I met you here. Uh, you're an inspiration, man. Uh, you're the to be, you know, you know that guy. I don't want to say his name. <laughs> so, Habibi, man, thank you. You're, so, you're, you're, you're speaking my praises far too high. <laughs> so Appreciate good luck it, and uh, hope that we can do that Kilimanjaro and Japan. Too. And Japan, but Japan first. <laughs> I thought you said Kilimanjaro. I want to do the fun part first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I'll do <laughs> the work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for man. your time. Really thank appreciate you. it. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye.